Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, and this is Genesis to Revelation for September 24th, 2022. Uh, may have a audio problems this morning. I had to, my headset died, and I had to plug in a new headset just before the show, and uh, so we may have issues with the sound until I have time to correct everything. So, Dan, how are you doing? I'm great. Okay, so all of a sudden, uh, your sound was perfect before. <laughs> I just talked to you. Now there's kind of a, a, a garbly noise on your, your end, okay? Yeah, that's how it sounds on, on your end a little bit as well. Let me really? try my headphones. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, it was making all kinds of crazy noises. How about so, now? How, how, how do I sound now? It, uh, well, it's, it's passable. Let me uh, try one more thing before, because, like I said, I had to change my headset because my headset died. And uh, let me try one other setting here to see if we can... Oh, okay, hold on. All right, it won't change now that we're live, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Hopefully, it's understandable to the listeners. Okay, so a little bit of garbling. <laughs> Never heard anything, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Okay. So, let's go. We're into Second Samuel chapter 7. Or, yep. yeah, 7. Okay. And uh, there's nothing unusual to... to um, not too bad, Brother Bear says. Okay, very good. So, uh, there, I, I was looking through the passages we'll be covering, and there's nothing really unusual, but of notable importance is the fact that David, even before he became king throughout the, the, virtually the entire kingship, he was at constant war. I mean, well, what a life. Mm-hmm. Is it war after war after war. So this is uh, what he had to live through. And uh, because, because why? Because the Israelites, when they took over Canaan land, failed to get rid of them. <laughs> like Yahweh told them uh, they should. And number thirty-three forty-four comes into play, namely that if you fail to exterminate and drive out these Canaanites, they will become thorns in your sides and pricks in your eyes, and blah blah blah, or vice versa, whatever. <laughs> and here we are, still today, we have the same problem. Okay, let's do it. All right, Second okay. Samuel chapter seven, verse one. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house. And Yahweh had given him rest round about from all his enemies. But the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for Yahweh is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of Yahweh came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith Yahweh, Shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. 
In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou went, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Well, David and the Israelites did that too, right? <laughs> they actually did the, the war, the warfare part of it. Okay. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and shall move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. Okay, now this is a very, very important prophecy because it's made to David while they're in the land of Israel. So, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, which means it has to be somewhere else besides the land of Israel. And then mm -hmm. we will be planted wherever he decides to plant us so that we may dwell in a place of our own and move no more. And I think that that prophecy, move no more, means these end times, okay? Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree. Yeah, we can't. There's no place left for us to hide <laughs> or run away <laughs> to, because the Jews control every aspect of this planet. So we're going to have to stand and fight wherever we are. Back to you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Verse eleven. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thy enemies, also Yahweh tells thee that He will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul when I put away before thee, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before Yahweh, and he said, Who am I, O Lord Yahweh? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Yeah. Hold, hold on. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but uh, I'm just reflecting on verse 13 here where it says, He shall build a house for it, which I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And of course, we know that the entire bloodline from David down to Queen Elizabeth II is, uh, all the royal houses of Europe are the subject of this prophecy, that his uh, dynastic bloodline will reign forever. Of course, the last king will be Yahshua Messiah at his return. But the Jews cannot make any such claim. They don't have any bloodline of kings or queens to point to, to to fulfill this prophecy. Only we, the Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, and Caucasian Israelites have this. Now it's very interesting uh, assuming that Queen Elizabeth's bloodline is pure and no uh, foreign blood mixed in. I've I've heard the arguments of many to the contrary that she does have foreign blood, but I've researched this over and over. I cannot find you know, the, the House of Battenberg and Saxe-Coburg are the German uh, contributors to the Royal House of Britain, okay? In fact, the Royal House of Britain is almost 100% German, <laughs> right? So they changed their name to Windsor to fool people into thinking they're not Germans, right? So mm -hmm. the, the, what I have been able to determine is the Battenbergs, which were are now called Mountbattens, may have had a uh, an influx of Jewish blood, but I still haven't found any proof of that. So Prince Philip was Charles's father. Okay, so 
assuming Queen Elizabeth's bloodline is pure and the Mountbatten's have a little a trifling of Jewish blood, that means Charles III would be illegitimate. illegitimate. Okay, and we know that Charles III is a you know a, a, <laughs> somebody called him a hippie. <laughs> he he does not believe he's not a Christian. He's a Freemason. He's a member of the Order of the Garter, which is a very secretive British order. And of course, he's a Jew lover. So for all those reasons, Charles III is probably not qualified to be counted as a descendant of David. Back to you. Okay, verse twenty-two. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible, for thy land, before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people forever, a people unto thee forever. Amen. And thou. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) Right? Even though the Jews say that uh, they're the only surviving tribe and the other 11 are completely lost or integrated into other nations. No, that's not true, Jews. You're liars. Back to you. Well, they take after their father. All right, there you go. <laughs> okay. For thou hast, for thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Yahweh, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said, and let thy name be magnified forever, saying. Yahweh of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Yahweh of hosts, God of Israel, has revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. All right. I need to pronounce the same blessing over my current house, (laughs) which is kind of moldy, right? It's an old wooden 1886. It was built, so you know they tend to be creaky, drafty. On windy days, very drafty, and on damp days, very damp, right? So I I need to say a prayer over this house. All right, back to you. Second Samuel chapter eight, and after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines. And subdued them. And David took Methagamma out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, hold on, uh, hold on. This is a very unusual word. Methagamma, it's with the article, it's, it's composed of two different words with the article the in the middle. And it is, what does it say here? Bit of the metropolis, Methagamma, an epithet of Gath. Methagama. So apparently, it's either part of the city of Gath or whatever. You know, Gath was the uh, giant, the household of giants from which Goliath sprang. So uh, apparently, it's a suburb of that city or part of that city. It was being talked about. All right. So and, and I guess the Philistines controlled it at this point. Okay, back to you. All right, verse two. Yeah. And he smote Moab and measured them with the line casting them down to the ground. Even with two lines measured, he to put to death, and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. Okay, now the Moabites are our racial kinsmen anyway, right? Mm-hmm. For yep. the most part, depending on how much you know, they intermarried with the Amalekites and the Canaanites, which apparently they didn't do that much of, but they adopted their religion. They adopted Canaanite religion, so you can't expect much of any kind of, uh, how should I put it, uh, covenant between the Moabites, Ammonites, and, uh, and the Israelites, okay? Yeah. 
Okay, uh, verse 3. David smote also Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his border at the river Euphrates. And David took from him a thousand chariots, and seven hundred horsemen, and twenty thousand footmen. And David huffed uh, all the chariot horses, okay. reserved them for a hundred chariots. Okay, hold the huffed means to pluck huffed. up. Yeah, to pluck up. Figuratively to what? Figuratively to exterminate, dig down, huff, buried. Uh, specifically to hamstring. So it's hard to. Did he destroy them or just hamstring them? Hard to say uh, you know, from this translation. Back to you. Verse five. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to succor Hadadezer, king of Zobah. David slew of the Syrians two and twenty thousand men. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. And Yahweh preserved David whithersoever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Beta and from Barothai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took exceeding much brass. When Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had smitten all the host of Hadadezer, then Toy sent Joram, his son, unto King David to salute him and to bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and smitten him. For Hadadezer had wars with Toy. And Joram brought with him vessels of silver and vessels of gold and vessels of brass, which also King David did dedicate unto Yahweh, with the silver and the gold that he had dedicated of all the nations which he subdued, of Syria and of Moab, and of the children of Ammon, and of the Philistines, and of Amalek, and of the spoil of Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. Well, you could imagine how much loot David had accumulated from all these wars. No oh, wonder, yeah. no wonder the temple was so rich and succulent and uh, what's the word? opulent is the word. Yeah, really, man. And David got him a name when he returned from smiting of the Syrians in the Valley of Saul. He be bad! <laughs> Don't mess with David! Yeah. All right. I think Saul wasn't around. Or he right, was right, crazy. yeah. Okay. And he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put putty garrisons. And all they of Edom became David's servants. Uh-huh. And Yahweh preserved David whithersoever he went. Okay, so... That, but, of course, that's a violation of the instructions that uh, they were supposed to either exterminate them or completely drive them mm-hmm. out, all right, which they never did. But uh, still, the prophecy was that Esau would be a servant to uh, uh, Jacob. And so, so that prophecy is fulfilled. So, in your opinion, why do you think they never uh, totally destroyed those people? Well, I mean, soft heart of you, because know, uh, a lot of the times they had to kill babies, Right? Yeah. 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 But they were snake babies in human form. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> right? Oh, that baby looks so cute. There's no way I can kill that baby. But that was the instruction, and they failed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it was maybe uh, political correctness back then, too. Oh, right, right. And, of course, the Jews have no such compunctions toward us. No. All right? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Verse 15, And David reigned over all Israel, and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. And Joab, the son of Zeruah, was over the host, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. And Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests, and Sariah was the scribe. And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over both the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were chief rulers. All right. Okay, so he's establishing his kingdom, he's making a name for himself, and everybody said, whoa, watch out for this guy David. (laughs) Yahweh is with him. Mm -hmm. All right, chapter 9. Chapter 9, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. 
And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto Jonathan, Unto the king, Jonathan has yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, thy servant. Mephibosheth, really? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a swear word. Okay. <laughs> and David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Yeah, because Jonathan and David were very close. Mm-hmm. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? <laughs> okay. All right. Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread away always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. That's a nice job. <laughs> yeah. That's just okay. Just dine at my table for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'll, I'll take. I'll go for that. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll take that job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. Yep. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Oh wow! Okay, so he's handicapped. Mm-hmm. So that's good. He didn't have to work for the yeah. rest of his life. It's, it's, all, it's like welfare <laughs> at the yeah. king's table, right? But uh, just that's because of his ancestry. He was an Israelite of the line of Jonathan. Okay. All right. Okay, verse uh, chapter 10. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun, his son, reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun, their lord, Thinkest thou that David does honor thy father, that he has sent comforters unto thee? Has not David rather sent his servants unto thee to serve how the city? Dare, how dare you question? Out? How dare you question his motives? Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, the, the Ammonites can't possibly uh, get along with the Israelites, as we're going to find out. It is crazy. Back to you. Mm-hmm. And to overthrow it, <laughs> Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle even to their buttocks, ah! sent them away. That's a good look. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like fashion today, right? The, <laughs> yeah, run, yeah. the runways of Paris. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Betharoth and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 footmen, and of King Maacah, 1,000 men, and of Ishtab, 12,000 men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array by, at the entering of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, and the Frihab, and Ishtab, and Maacah, 
were by themselves in the field. Okay, so this war was precipitated by an attempted act of graciousness by David. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the, it was uh, Moabites or Ammonites here, I forget. Uh, so, but then he was disrespected by, because they shaved the heads of the uh, emissaries <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and forced them to walk half naked, you know, th- throughout the countryside. So, they fought a war over this? Apparently so. Apparently so? Back to you? Yeah. Verse 9. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him, before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hands of Abishai his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God. And Yahweh do that which seems him good. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai, and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon, and came to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together, and had a rezzer sent, and brought out the Syrians that were beyond the river. And they came to Helam, and Shobak, the captain of the host of Hadarezer, went before them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together and passed over Jordan, and came to Helam. And the Syrians set themselves in array against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel, and David slew the men of 700 chariots of the Syrians and 40,000 horsemen, and smote Shobak, the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon any more. This episode reminds me of uh, Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Swift, right? where he, uh, in one of the places that Gulliver travels to, there was a war between two groups, groups of people, the big Indians and the little Indians. The end being which which end of the egg you're supposed to break open to eat your po- <laughs> soft boiled egg, right? <laughs> Wars have been fought over less, as we have found here. Crazy. All right. Yep. Okay. Chapter eleven. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when the kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass, in an evening tide, that David arose from off his bed, and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Uh-oh, trouble. <laughs> Here we go. Right? And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come to him, David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto the house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark, and Israel, 
and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul lives, I will not do this thing. Okay, so he's loyal, said, he's loyal to his troops. Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David call, had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down to his house. Okay, all right. So here the, the question always arises, is Uriah an actual Hittite, or is he a commander who was probably stationed in Hittite territory? Because we found in the previous chapter that David had established garrisons in Edom, right? And so just as Ruth was not a Moabitist by race, but by territory, uh, I think that this is the same with Uriah. So if if Uriah were an actual Hittite, which would make him a Canaanite, then he could care less about his men, (laughs) right? Okay, so it would be a rare Canaanite, put it that way. So um, I just recently read an article by Robert Belikus, uh, who, who's got a, a ministry in Tennessee, and he wrote extensively on this subject, and I just ordered a booklet from him about this. He claims that he can prove conclusively that Uriah was an Israelite, not a Hittite, and so maybe we can read through that next weekend, okay? All right. Okay. All right. Okay, verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Okay, I cannot imagine doing something like this. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. To, he, he is so smitten by, uh, what's her name now? I forget. Bathsheba. Bathsheba. That yeah. uh, he would murder her husband just to have her. Unbelievable. But, Not only that, he was trying to cover up that pregnancy. Oh, yeah, even oh. worse. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and plus, he is, uh, he is a good general. <laughs> Right? He's a good leader yeah. of men. David, how dare you? Yeah. But loyal, see, loyal to his troops. But, right. But blame Bathsheba for being too beautiful. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's always the woman's fault. All right. <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy episode. Verse 18. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, when thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he shall say unto thee, Wherefore approached ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight? Know ye not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubbesheth? Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall, that he died in Thebes? Good woman, why, yeah. <laughs> why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Oof. So the messenger went and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us, and came out unto us into the field. And we were upon them evening upon them even unto the even entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou them. Thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, 
and bear him a son. But the thing that David did, that David had done, displeased Yahweh. I'll bet. No, no doubt. No. <laughs> okay. That was pretty sneaky. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess uh, with all the good work he did for Yahweh, you know, th- this can be excused? No, it can't. It yeah. can't be excused. There's, there's penalty to, penalty to pay. All right. Chapter, all right. Chapter, chapter 12. And Yahweh sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. And it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. And he was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As Yahweh lives, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith Yahweh God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives unto, into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of Yahweh to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, (laughs) thou hast despised me and has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Okay, so this entire parable suggests that Uriah was actually an Israelite, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was uh, uh, in the bosom of David, right? There's no way he would do, do that with an Edomite or a Canaanite uh, slash Hittite. There's no way, all right? So that alone suggests, you know, but it's not absolute proof, you know. So I'll take a look at that Belikas document Maybe we'll read through it next week. Okay, back to you. Okay, verse 11, Thus saith Yahweh, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wife from before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. And Nathan said unto David, Yahweh also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it, because by this deed thou hast given, has given great occasion to the enemies of Yahweh to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Okay, this happened to Woodrow Wilson too, right? <laughs> although, uh, yeah, although Wood, Wilson didn't kill the husband of Mary Peck, who he slept with, because they were both married at the, at the same time to other women, of course. So, uh, but man, the treachery of uh, Woodrow Wilson and the Jews concerning the Mary Peck affair caused World War One. Caused us to get involved in World War One. And then right? he uh, uh, signed the Federal Reserve Act. That's yeah. right. That's right. If he had just fessed up. They said, okay, folks, uh, you know, and the American people are very forgiving. If he had just fessed up to the American people, say, okay, I couldn't help myself. This woman was too beautiful. At least I didn't murder her husband. <laughs> okay. So please forgive me. I still want to be president. Please, 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 please. I'm sure nobody would have objected, right? Things happen. Like I said, the American people are very forgiving. But his life was a catastrophe from that moment on. Total catastrophe. He should have fessed up. All right, back to you. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and Yahweh struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. 
And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of Yahweh and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child, while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her. And she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon. And Yahweh loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah, because of Yahweh. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David, and said, I have fought against Rabbah, and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together, and encamp against the city, and take it, lest I take the city, and it be called after my name. And David gathered all the people together, and went to Rabbah, and fought against it, and took it. And he took their king's crown from off his head. The weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head, and he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought forth the people that were therein, and put them under saws, and under harrows of iron, and under axes of iron, and made them pass through the brickling, the, through the brick kiln, and thus he did unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. What is this brick kiln that they're talking about? Oh, a, a brick kiln. No, it's a, a, an oven. Some kind oh, of okay. oven, yeah. Or, or brick work, it says here. But a kiln is an oven, okay? Oh. Uh, like uh, you bake bread in a kiln, all right? So uh, maybe it was, uh, or it could, it could be a factory made of brick, you know, something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right. Okay. Chapter so. 13. Yeah. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was very subtle, was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. I'm in love, I won't eat until... until, But it's his sister. Sister, yeah, how nasty is that? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Verse 5. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father comes to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down, and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. This sounds like a plot for a grade B movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, Second Samuel is weird but entertaining. 
it, it yep. is. Yeah. Verse 7. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon, Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have all the men have out all the men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. Uh. And she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall cause, whither shall I cause my name, my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but, being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. Yeah, so you raped me and now you you throw me out. Uh Uh-huh. Then he called his servant that ministered unto him and said, Put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. After she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But now hold thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar <laughs> remained desolate in her brother's Absalom's house. All right, when don't say anything. Shh, don't, don't, don't say a word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spoke unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Oh, bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Bahel Zor, which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant has sheep shearers. Let the king, I beseech thee, and servants go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? But Absalom pressed him, that he left Amnon and all the king's son, that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him, fear not. Have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man got him up upon his mule and fled. And it came to pass, while they were in the way, that tidings came to David, saying, Absalom has slain all the king's sons, and is there and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose and tear his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, let not my lord suppose that they have all slain the young men, the king's sons. For Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this has been determined 
from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon only is dead. So I guess it's uh, you get greater, greater pleasure from an act of vengeance, <laughs> right, than to actually have this whole thing aired out before the court, you know, before David mm-hmm. and or the priests. I mean, wow. I mean, obviously the Israelites of this time uh, have a long way to go before they can be considered you know, spiritual people you know, or moral mm-hmm. people. Yeah. All right. David went through some tough times after yeah. he... Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. He murdered Uriah. Yeah. It's a, in fact, uh, there's a prophecy, I think we maybe glossed over it, that uh, your, your, your house is going to be full of trouble from now on yep. <laughs> because you murdered Uriah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Verse 34, But Absalom fled, and the, young men, and the young man that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come. As thy servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and there were, and was there three years. And the soul of King David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. And that is the end of chapter 13. Chapter 14. Now Joab, the son of Zeruah, perceived that the king's heart was toward Absalom. And Joab sent to, Joab sent to Tekoa and fetched thence a wise woman, and said unto her, I pray thee, Feign thyself to be a mourner, and put on now mourning apparel, and anoint not thyself with oil, but be as a woman that hath a long time mourned for the dead. And come to the king, and speak on this manner unto him. So Joab put the words in her mouth, and when the woman of Tekoa spake to the king, she fell on her face to the ground, and did obeyance, and said, Help, O king. And the king said unto her, What ails thee? And she answered, I am indeed a widow woman, and my husband is dead. And thy handmaid had two sons, and they two strove together in the field, and there was none to part them, but the one smote the other and slew him. And behold, the whole family is risen against thy handmaid. And they said, Deliver him that smote his brother, that we may kill him for the life of his brother whom he slew, and we will destroy the heir also. And so they shall quench my coal which is left, and shall not leave to my husband neither name nor remainder upon the earth. And the king said unto the woman, Go to thine house, and I will give thee give charge concerning thee. And the woman of Tekoa said unto the king, My lord, O king, the iniquity be on me and on my father's house. And the king and his throne be guiltless. And the king said, Whosoever saith aught, unto thee, bring him to me, and he shall not touch thee any more. Then said she, I pray thee, let the king remember Yahweh thy God, that thou wouldest not suffer the revengers of blood to destroy any more, lest they destroy my son. And he said, As Yahweh lives, there shall not one hair of thy son fall to the earth. Then the woman said, let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak one word unto my lord the king. And he said, Say on. And the woman said, Wherefore then thou hast thought such a thing against the people of God? For the king does speak this thing as one which is faulty, in that the king does not fetch home again his banished. For we must needs die, and are as water split on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does God respect any person, yet does he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. Okay. Now, therefore... Yeah, so Absalom needs to be punished for what he did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse 15. Now therefore I am come to speak of this thing unto my lord the king, 
is because the people have made me afraid. And thy handmaid said, I will now speak unto the king. It may be that the king will perform the, quest, the request of his handmaid. For the king will hear to deliver his handmaid out of the hand of the men that would destroy me and my son together out of the inheritance of God. Then thy handmaid said, The word of my lord the king shall now be comfortable. For as an angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and bad. Therefore Yahweh thy God will be with thee. Then the king answered and said unto the woman, Hide not from me, I pray thee, the thing that I shall ask thee. And the woman said, Let my lord the king now speak. And the king said, Is not the hand of Joab with all thee in this? And the woman answered and said, As thy soul lives, my lord the king, none can turn to the right hand or to the left from aught that my lord the king has spoken. For thy servant Joab, he bade me, and he put all these words in the mouth of thine handmaid. To fetch about this form of speech has thy servant Joab done this thing. And my lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. And the king said unto Joab, Behold now, I have done this thing. Go therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. And Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today thy servant knows that I have found grace in thy sight, my lord, O king in that the king has fulfilled the, ser the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur, and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, and saw not the king's face. But in all Israel there was no one to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot, even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he pulled his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it, because the hair was heavy on him, therefore he pulled it. He weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels after the king's weight. Okay. So pulled means shaved. He shaved, shaved. his head. Okay. Yeah. A, <laughs> a skinhead. He, yeah. he went from a dreadlocks to skinhead every year. Okay. <laughs> and Absalom there... And unto Absalom there were born three sons, <clears throat> and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, and saw not the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have him to have sent him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent again the second time, he would not come. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine. And he had barley there. Go and set it on fire. <laughs> and Absalom's servant set the field on fire. Then Joab oh. arose and came to Absalom unto his house and said unto him, Wherefore hath thy servant set my field on fire? To get your and attention. Absalom, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. All right. And Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent unto thee, saying, Come hither, that I may send thee to the king to say, Wherefore am I come from Geshur? It had been good for me to have been there still. Now therefore let me see the king's face, and if there be any iniquity in me, let him kill me. Okay, so if you don't return my phone calls, I'll set your house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed. Oh, I just really, we're, we're almost at the end. This stuff we are is, at the end. Yeah. Okay, folks, this is so entertaining. I, I got lost in the narrative. <laughs> okay, we'll pick this up next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Praise Yahweh. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.